Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I mean, joking about wanting to get peed on, even if it was clearly a joke, like that's not something that when I was a teenager, like would have been in the zeitgeist. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Madison Malone Kircher. You're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. Okay, Rachel, so my phone recently started doing this thing that has been driving me nuts. It auto-corrects when I type LOL into all caps. Mm. Oh, so every LOL is extreme. Right, it just makes it sound like I think everything everyone is sending me is really fucking funny. And I assure you, sorry to the people I text, I don't think everything you send me is <laughs> is that funny. Yeah, we all know LOL is now just kind of a... It's a period. It's It's punctuation. a punctuation. Yeah, it's just to make sure you know I'm not actually mad at you. I'll just put a little LOL. Sometimes when I'm feeling quirky and it's like actually a really sad message, I'll put LOL in quotations so that you know I'm okay. But yeah, doing LOL in all caps 100% makes it seem like you're actually laughing. It's like accidentally tacking an extra ha onto your ha ha and you're like, ooh, (laughs) that was cringe. So I tweeted about this, this problem in my life and uh, heard from a bunch of people who said this has also been happening to them and that they would like it to stop. So Gotta say, I thought you were alone in this, but (laughs) clearly not. (laughs) Me too. So, because I was unwilling to live in a world where uh, my friends think I'm laughing at the things that they text me, uh, I called up Apple customer support and asked if they could help me. Okay, let me get someone to help you. Thank you for calling Apple. My name is Steven. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? Hi, Steven. My name is Madison Kircher. Hey, Madison. How are you doing? Pretty good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thank you for asking. So I have kind of a weird question for you, Stephen, but I, I'm confident that you're going to help me find an answer. <laughs> okay. Um, so my iPhone has of late started um, auto-correcting when I type LOL into all caps. But I like I have auto-capitalization turned on. I like that feature. I just want to be able to type lowercase LOL so it doesn't sound like I'm right. shout laughing. I got you. <laughs> that makes sense. Like, why is he so aggressive in this text message? (laughs) All right, so let's get started here. So So Stephen took over my phone, which was a little dystopian. And it's very easy, though. You go into settings, and then you go to general, and then you go to keyboard. And in keyboard, you're looking for text replacement. Text replacement. Oh, I only have one thing in here. And then in the upper right-hand corner is a plus sign. You tap that. And then in the box where it says phrase, you type LOL, all lowercase. And in shortcut, you also type LOL, all lowercase. And then you tap save in the upper right-hand corner. And that fixes all my problems. Oh, my God. Steven, you're my favorite. Voila. Voila. (laughs) Yes, man. Um, And, yeah, thank you for being the best part of Apple. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Steven. Bye-bye. So hopefully, if you are also suffering from all caps, LOL-itis, this will help you. Mm, yeah, this is like what I use to like stop getting the word ducking when yes. I was trying to type another Not word ducking. that rhymes with ducking. 
Uh, because there's literally no scenario in which I am ducking when I mean to say the other word. Um, Rachel's been doing a lot of cucking. I don't know Um, (laughs) (laughs) why. I was going to say, I don't know why I'm self-censoring. Like, I have not said the word fuck on this podcast so many times (laughs) at this point. Well, Stephen knew better. We love you, Stephen. You are the best part of Apple. Five stars. Okay, so today we're actually going to talk about water sports. So like jet skiing, wakeboarding, kite surfing. Um, Madison, uh, Madison, um, mm. I think I think you're looking at the wrong memo. We're we're not talking about those kind of water sports. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, that O is also what I'm hearing my mom say. So sorry, mom. <laughs> this is going to be another lewd one because today we're going to be talking about piss talk. But shit, it was 99 cents. Why did you do that? <laughs> never, never not thinking about Macklemore. Um, How about you Mackle less? That was Daniel Schrader, our producer level <laughs> bad punning, Rachel. Okay, so a recent TikTok trend normalizing urophilia. Uh, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's getting turned on by urine. Offers a window into how sex positivity is growing and evolving online. In a post Fifty Shades of Grey economy. Oh <laughs> God! Not Look, a post Fifty Shades economy. <laughs> it's Christian Grey's world, and we are just living in it. Kink has been memeified, but those memes also create a dissonance between two factions. Let's say there's a group who try to use those memes to do the work of actually destigmatizing sex, and then there's a group who just use kink as a punchline. Today, we're going to explore the middle overlap of that Venn diagram. And to help us, we'll be talking to EJ Dixon after the break. She's a senior culture reporter at Rolling Stone. And she recently went really deep on this trend, which is an innuendo I did not think about. For her, though, Piss Talk is about more than people wanting to get peed on, whether in jest or in stone cold seriousness it's also about female pleasure and thirsting online but perhaps most importantly it's also about how maybe gen z is doing the lord's work with piss by making it easier for everybody to to just admit how damn horny we all are more on that after the break Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Um, okay. Rachel, you want to kick us off? Sure. 
Today, we are talking with E.J. Dixon, who's a senior culture writer at Rolling Stone, who wrote about um, a genre of TikTok known as piss talk. I'm so excited that she's here to talk to us. E.J., hi. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for coming on the pod. So I guess to start, E.J., how would you describe piss talk? Sure. So, I, I mean, TikTok is basically there are all these different subgenres of TikTok. There's like alt TikTok. There's like food talk. I mean, you can basically apply like any descriptor to talk and it could describe, you know, any aspect of TikTok. So piss talk is basically just this version of content that I came across. Literally, my friend texted me and he was just like, I've been seeing all of these videos on my For You page of girls expressing their desire to get peed on. Have you seen that? And I had seen maybe like one video, but I hadn't been deluged with dozens as he had. And I started to look into it and I saw that this, you know, had become something of a meme. Did that then trigger the algorithm? Like, did your For You page then become just like Water Sports Central? Sort of, I guess. I mean, the the thing about the For You page and the TikTok algorithm is that it's so abstruse. Like, you have no idea exactly what's triggering you to get fed, you know, a certain kind of content. But yeah, definitely, definitely got my share, fair share of piss talk videos after that. So when your friend texted you, were you surprised to learn that there was like a water sports side of TikTok? I guess especially with the way the algorithm kind of works and that it's supposed to censor any kind of like NSFW content. I'm always fascinated by how different parts of TikTok manage to get around the, the censors. I mean, I have um, been covering sex and internet culture and the adult industry for quite some time. So nothing really like shocks me anymore. So seeing a bunch of people like make jokes about getting pissed on, I wouldn't say it was inherently shocking. I will say that I sort of shared your view of like, how did this sort of avoid TikTok censors? Because the TikTok algorithm mm-hmm. is sort of notoriously stringent about adult content and people find w- really creative ways to subvert it. But also there's a lot of like really (laughs) egregious shit that gets past the algorithm, just like really vulgar shit. And this was definitely like an example, like a prominent example of that. I laugh every time I see someone caption in a TikTok the word sex spelled S-E-G-G-E-S, like segs. It it (laughs) makes me giggle like a 10 every time I see it, which is, you know, a, a really basic tactic to avoid TikTok censorship. Yeah, it's hilarious. And what's what's another one like Gluck Gluck 9000 is how people describe <laughs> oral sex mm-hmm. now, which is apparently something from like a Barstool podcast, but I had never heard of it. And I laughed for hours when I saw that. I was like, that's so creative. I'm curious. Uh, I would love to hear you describe one of the TikToks in your piece. Do you have a favorite or the one that like really made you think, oh, this is something I want to explore? The most prominent one was this meme where... Um, somebody, usually a woman, the video is captioned like when I go to the beach with insert like romantic partner or like some sexy celebrity here and I get stung in the mouth by a jellyfish and then the audio is like this dramatic surging music and somebody saying I've won exactly as planned. I've won exactly as planned. And that's it. That's a TikTok. Do you think there really is a rise in piss kink, water water sports, generally culturally, or are these just largely tongue-in-cheek TikTok jokes? I think they're largely tongue-in-cheek TikTok jokes, but I, I mean, the thing 
about covering meme culture that really interests me is like as much as people are prone to like dismissing the import of something like this and saying, oh, it's just a joke. Like it's a hundred, it's a hundred percent, like just a joke. Mm -hmm. It's not that serious. Like there's always a grain of truth to it or like a grain of reality. And that's, that's the part that I'm always interested in exploring. And I don't think it's necessarily that there's been a increased visibility of water sports per se, but I think there's there's definitely been increased and been increased visibility of like kink and fetishes in mm-hmm. general and this is just sort of like another way of saying of like joking about how like nasty you are how freaky you are is like oh i want elizabeth olsen to piss in my mouth so you said you notice there's been a rise in um the visibility of kink could you tell us a little bit more about that yeah i mean the obvious answer is 50 shades of gray right is sort of like mm. the main cultural moment where kink and BDSM sort of hit the mainstream, which is kind of unfortunate because if you've seen Fifty Shades of Grey, it's not exactly yes. like a positive <laughs> depiction of BDSM no. or like a particularly accurate one, but it My did... tastes are very singular. <laughs> is that what that's from? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, I've been trying to place that. That makes total sense because I have been trying to place that. That's another TikTok trending audio and I've been trying to place that for so long. Um, But yeah, I mean, that that inspired like a real run on like handcuffs and sex toy stores and a real interest in kinky erotica. And people were taking all of these different classes. So it's sort of, it it, it was a double-edged sword in terms of the effect that that had on the culture. Like it definitely increased the visibility of a community that otherwise was sort of shrouded in misconception and didn't have a lot of visibility, but it was also wrong. You know, like Mm -hmm. it was wildly inaccurate. I mean, if you spend a lot of time on TikTok, you can sort of gauge that there's been a real rise in sex positivity among Gen Z joking about wanting to get peed on, even if it was clearly a joke. Like, that's not something that when I was a teenager, like, would have been in the zeitgeist to the extent that it is. Like, it certainly wouldn't have become a meme um, because just claiming female sexuality in itself, you know, wasn't really a thing. Like, it's probably something that that somebody would have been a teenage girl would have been mocked over, um, even mm. if it was very clearly intended as a joke. So I think there's sort of a couple different things going on here. I'm now thinking about being 16 and like tweeting the things I do now about wanting to be like stepped on or run over and just absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, thirst in general wasn't really like a, especially female thirst. Like it just wasn't something that was commonly accepted. I'm like, very squarely a millennial same and it just wasn't a thing like horniness wasn't a thing that was like taken seriously or considered its own currency and like thank god it is now because it's hilarious you got it at a really interesting point especially about like the kind of normalization i kind of hate that word of <laughs> female thirst and most of these videos that you mentioned in your rolling stone piece were also by women and i'm kind of interested as to what you make of that Yeah, that's what I found most interesting about it. I think, like I was saying earlier, like I think it's just been increasingly accepted for young women to express their sexuality in general and to express their desires, like even if they're somewhat transgressive or somewhat extreme. And also, I mean, something that I found really interesting in talking to someone who made this video was like, she was sort of describing Gen Z humor as like, you make yourself the butt of the joke. You don't make anybody else the butt of the joke. And I think Mm. there are people in the kink community who might at first glance 
see this trend and think, oh, it's kink shaming or, oh, it's making fun of people who want to be peed on, which I think is a little bit of a superficial interpretation. But I also think it's incorrect because like, I mean, it's the girl in the video who's the butt of the joke. Like it's just the extreme nature of her horniness. That's the butt of the joke. Like that's what makes it funny. Just <laughs> the extremely out of control nature of the horniness, like in that sketch. And I think you should leave like the honk, you should horny sketch where you just like cannot contain it. Oh, 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 shit, 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 no, no. What the hell are you doing, man? Stop honking. I'm horny. What are you talking about? I'm talking about your honk of your horny bumper sticker. Can you help me out or not? How would I help you out? I don't know. Do you and, and that's the kind of thing that makes me laugh. But it's also it's also like really transgressive in a way, because like we were talking about earlier, like it's just not something that would have been permissive for young women to talk about um, when I was in my late teens, early 20s. Yeah, I had this moment the other day. I don't know if you saw this tweet, but Brie Larson tweeted a photo of herself staring at the ground. And the caption was like, point of view, you're an aunt. And my brain immediately, like, without even thinking, just went to, okay, quote, tweet, step on me, said tweet. <laughs> uh, but it feels like the language of, like, the general public internet has gotten kinkier in the last few years in a way that's usually or often not not serious. Do you feel like these TikToks and memes are helping to destigmatize kink? I do. I do and I don't. Um I, I mean, I don't think it's really about the kink in itself. Like, I don't think this necessarily like draws attention to water sports or like quote unquote normalizes urophilia. But I think it also it also does in a way because I, I mean, just the fact that it's being talked about or publicly like claimed, even if it is as a joke, like I do think that's a step in the right direction. I think I think the example that I cited in the piece of the only time when I was growing up that I had ever heard of urophilia was the John Slattery episode in Sex and the City, where Carrie is dating this politician and the relationship disintegrates because she is, he wants her, her he, he wants her to pee on him. I would love to get you in the shower. Mm-hmm. And get each other all fresh and clean. Well, that sounds nice. And then let you pee on me. I would be very worried if I were you. The pee could just be foreplay. Oh my God. Where there's smoke, I'm just saying. It's definitely problematic and the kink is definitely like, you know, the butt of the joke. Whereas this is more like, oh, it's not the kink that it's the butt, that's the butt of the joke. It's just like how my extreme horniness is taking over my body, basically. <laughs> I mean, I really do kind of love this moment that you're describing that is like we've been in, it feels like for like at least the past five years where like extreme female horniness is kind of just expected. Like horny on main is no longer something that people are like, oops, accidentally tweeted about like wanting Daniel Kalua to <laughs> drive me over with like Range Rovers. It's all normal. Like I'm just thinking of like all the TikToks I've seen of people thirsting after um, the scarred fish from Finding Nemo. Oh, it's my favorite, yeah. <laughs> I'm Love sorry, that. what? <laughs> People are really horny for, I think his name is Gil, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, Gil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow, y'all are he's, on a different side of TikTok than me. He's edgy, you know? He's like, <laughs> he's scarred. And he's voiced by Willem Dafoe. All drains lead to the ocean, kid. Wow. How many times do 
have you tried to get out? Ah, I've lost count. Fish aren't meant to be in a box, kid. It does things to you. I really love that this is like a completely, like you scroll past this on your TikTok page and you're like, okay, this is, this is just what it is right now. And like, I think of like Thirst Aid Kit, which was like a former Slate podcast and how it very much kind of dealt with this idea of like female desire and normalizing it, even as they were like making jokes half the time. I mean, I will tell you that like, even my non extremely online friends, like they talk like this, like we talk Mm. like this all the time. Like it isn't, it isn't performative in the way that like, you you know how so much of like the, I want Rachel Weisz to spin in my mouth. I want Rachel Weisz to like run me over with a truck. Like I want Rachel Weisz to like trample over me. Like Stop reading like, my tweets. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how like that so much of that is like one-upsmanship and like, mm-hmm. and, and like performative. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't think we necessarily talk like that, but I, I would say like maybe 90% of our conversations are how horny we are for a specific person. <laughs> Have we gone too far? There is like some some ways in which I find the performativeness and the one-upsmanship a little grating. But what I really think is interesting about it is that we still live in a culture where casually talking about how horny you are is increasingly becoming acceptable, but like having an OnlyFans isn't and mm-hmm. doing sex work isn't. And I mean, that, that as somebody who like, the, the the bulk of my career I've spent like reporting on those spaces like that tension is interesting to me like I I don't know if the majority of people who are making jokes about being horny online are like necessarily pro-sex worker I'd like to think I mean I know Gen Z is increasingly becoming you know pro-sex work so I'd like to think that's increasingly becoming the case but I don't know if necess- if horniness acceptance is necessarily rising alongside like sexual freedoms acceptance in general. Yeah, it seems safe to assume that every person who is tweeting about wanting ex hot person to run them over with a vehicle is not also like vocally pro sex work, even though those two things should be like correlated. <laughs> There's also like I think kink shaming has become sort of a joke trope online where like if you criticize anybody for having you know a left of center sexual preference then somebody will jokingly respond like oh that's kink shaming like don't kink shame like it's sort of become a meme in itself and like I I feel like sometimes it is kink shaming like sometimes there are people online who are shaming somebody for having like a slightly left of center kink and like making fun of them and I feel like our culture kind of has a hard time understanding that and talking about kink in a healthy way and separating our discussion of kink from like discussion of actual consent violations and boundary violations. Yeah. Would you say Army Hammer is probably the most recent and like mainstream example of that? Yeah. I mean, that was an instance where like the initial reaction for sure to those texts being released was, oh my God, this guy is such a sicko for being into, you know, what is ultimately like not a super common kink, cannibalism and, and blood play, like they're not super common kinks, but they are kinks, you know, and they can be practiced consensually. And eventually we got to the place where we were like, oh no, the problem isn't the, you know, that he has these kinks. The problem is the abuse of power and the fact that he was emotionally abusive and, you know, physically abusive and violated consent. But I feel like it took longer than I would have liked to get to that place. Mm -hmm. You know, where we focused on the actual consent violations and less on the actual fetishes and and kinks that this dude had. 
Um, so I do think we have a way to go in that regard. Army Hammer, we should note, has uh, not commented on any of those individual allegations, and I believe he called them bullshit. Uh, EJ, thank you so much for coming on our show and talking to us about Piss Talk. I'm just so excited for all of the Piss Talks that are now destined for my For You page because my phone was fully listening to us do this interview. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. EJ Dixon is a senior culture reporter at Rolling Stone. All right, listen. If you drink LaCroix, if you if you enjoy drinking LaCroix, you have a piss kink. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so please subscribe. It's the best way to make sure you never miss hearing our dulcet tones. And uh, while you're... They're dulcet, Rachel. They're dulcet. (laughs) It's dulcet and or wheezing. (laughs) The two genders. Also, after you subscribe, if you wanted to leave us a rating and a review in Apple Podcasts, that would be great. It really does help us find new listeners. In the meantime, if uh, you need to be told something by Apple Care, or you just want to know why Chrissy Teigen's back on Twitter after saying she was going to leave, send us an email at icymi at slate.com or tweet at Rachel and I using the hashtag icymipod. We really do love to hear from you and hear what you're interested in, piss or otherwise. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader. Our supervising producer is Derek John. Forrest Wickman is Slate's culture editor. And Gabe Broth is editorial director of audio. See you online. Or not. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like they're like cartoon characters where it's like, you know what you're doing, Pixar. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice, all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it, and we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets.